0: Yes. Amen. So good to see everybody this morning. How are you? Wonderful. Okay. Well, that sounds pretty good. Wonderful. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. No doubt about it. Yes. Well, today we are continuing in Second Peter, um, the first chapter. We hope to finish the first chapter today. And go through verses 16 through 21. Um, let me ask you: verses 1 through 15, can you just give me a, a little something of that you picked up? Verses 1 through 15, just throw it out there. Not everybody at the same time. Let's be orderly here. Yes, anybody. Verses 1 through 15. Yes. Well, one, one through fifteen, yeah. So that's godliness, godliness, love. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Something that, if you, do that you won't fall. if you do that, you won't fall. Amen. There we go. That's huge. Because we have plenty of people falling not falling from uh, grace or falling from uh, their salvation, but falling into a pit of sin and, and a funk of sin where they sometimes spend more time than, than they want to. Anybody else? Given us all it's given us all things that pertain to, pertain to life and godliness. So these are some biggies, uh, Last couple of weeks we talked about he's going to remind us and he's going to keep reminding us, always reminding us uh, so that we can walk in victory. Even he wants us to remind uh, us to remember after he's passed away and gone on to be with the Lord. He still wants us to remember those things. Um, So, yeah. So in the beginning of the letter, the beginning of the epistle, this chapter, he, he, Peter, is addressing those of like precious faith. He is addressing those people from himself. So it is Peter speaking from a first-person singular. Okay? Then he goes to uh, more of a first-person plural, and he is speaking about the things that he feels God has given us as believers, including Peter. And he says, we as." By the, by, the, uh, God's uh, power, he has given unto us all things, uh, given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And he tells us that you have received these promises. And then he talks, so then he changes to you, that you might be partakers of his divine nature. What I'm, what I'm seeing there is that he was already a partaker of his divine nature, so it didn't pertain to him. It pertained to the people that he's speaking to, hey, you have also the chance to become a partaker in his divine nature. And then from there, he continues to to, in that, basically through 11 or so, and he says, add to your faith, virtue, and so on and so forth. And then he says that if you uh, uh, have these things, if these things be in you and abound, they will make you not to be idle or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, But if you lack in these things, you are blind and you are short-sighted or near-sighted, or the King James says, you, are, you cannot see far away, and he says, you have forgotten, now you're forgetful about the sins that were purged from you, and, uh, the old sins. And then he goes into, you know, that you'll have a, 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 a if you do these things, you'll, uh, you won't fall, and that you'll have a rich entrance into the eternal kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, And then he goes into I, I will remind you so that you will remember. And I will always do that so that you will also remember when I have passed away. Now, in verse 16, all of a sudden he changes to we because he is going to talk uh, about uh, the idea of, a testimony that he has, a witness that he has on the mount, the holy mount, with he, Peter, James, and John. And because of a testimony of an experience, he wants to bring in the other two as well because when it comes to an experience, a witness by experience, three is better than one. Yes? Yes? Three is more believable and more secure and has more authority and has more validity and has more weight than just one saying that, that they have seen these things. Yes? There's also scriptural, by the way. So let us read verses. We'll read on the, on the, on the screen verses 16 through 21, and then we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Let's, let's read together. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Verse 18 says, And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, and then 21 for prophecy never came by the will of man. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Father, we just pray, Lord, this morning that you would give us unction, uh, me unction not only to speak your word with, with power and authority, Lord, but that those who hear your word, Lord, would, would hear what you're saying. Not what I'm saying. But, Lord, even the things that I'm not saying, that they would hear them if it is of you. We bless you and praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 So, uh, verse 16 says then, Uh, the title of my sermon uh, would be something like a a, a more sure witness or a a more sure testimony or a more sure word. Uh, That would be the title. So it would be divided sort of like uh, the eyewitness account. And the eyewitness account would be divided in them seeing the glory of Jesus Christ and then the voice of the Father. That's point one, the eyewitness subdivided in glory and the voice of the Father. And then the second portion would be a more sure word, that is to say, the word of God. And we'll, we'll, we'll delve into that and look at, in, into that uh, a little bit. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty, verse 16. So he says right there of the beginning, hey, what has been going around a little bit, as we can find in the book of Titus, uh, the same idea of that some of the Jewish rabbis, some of the teachers uh, were telling fables, what he calls fables. Uh, Not only were they telling stories, Not only were they telling stories, made-up stories and myths, they were cunningly devised. So these were not just stories, innocent stories. They were cunningly devised with the purpose of some sort of deception. Uh, So he says, we haven't followed those. We're not going by those. That is myths. Well, do we have some of those going around these days? Yes, amen. Plenty. Plenty all over the place. But we have also sometimes, we have them going around in Christian circles. I have noticed over the years, and this is, this is my experience. I have noticed over the years that many times when people give testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, they embellish their stories. They embellish their testimony as if, they wanna, as if they would be more spiritual when their story is embellished. It becomes a fable. Because let me tell you something, you could never add to what God is doing. Like you could make it look better or something. Uh, but I've noticed that a lot. And so it makes it that people are less believable. Yes? Yes? Or people would say, um, God told me such and such. And when I hear that, I immediately, my antennas go up. Because when you say, God told me, that is some serious talk. Okay. I I try to make a decision. This is just an old example, but... Uh, and I had a conversation with my sister, Dorothy, and, uh, about the decision. And I thought I had a pretty good, smart idea. But when I was listening with her, she says, I prayed about it. Well, I hadn't prayed about it. I just came up with an idea that I thought was good and clever and right. But when she said, I prayed about it, boom, all bets were off. And tennis went up and, oh. I need to hear what you had to say. And as it turned out, she had the, she had the right idea. It was far superior than what, than what I, I came up with. So uh, so when somebody says, the Lord told me, you better have heard from the Lord. It is almost blasphemous for you to say that the Lord told me when he didn't tell you. Because you just want to just, just uh, put a, a period behind a discussion or, an, um, or a debate, and when you say, the Lord told me, end of story. Who can argue with that any longer? So, my dear brothers and sisters, be careful. Don't just flippantly use the words God told me. One, it is almost blasphemous, and God is not pleased. And secondly, you lose credibility when people find out that this is not of God. Verse, uh, uh, verse 16 still, a more sure testimony, yes. Uh, when we made unto you, known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we're eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, now he's speaking about the fact that we, we, we haven't followed these fables. We haven't followed these stories, these myths that have been going around. We're telling you from the point of view of eyewitnesses. And he says, we. He is not just referring to himself. Like he was, he had the experience. He says it was two other guys, and these were people with apostolic authority. I'm saying to you, from the point of view of the three of us, this is what we saw. We were eyewitnesses, so this should this should count pretty heavy, yes? When an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ tells you that they have seen with their own eyes something, this weighs a lot, yes? And on that basis, he is showing them, the, uh, he's talking to them the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word coming over here is, in the original language, the word parousia that usually of, uh, refers to the second coming of the Lord. Here, it refers, it refers to, to the coming of the Lord on the mount, the holy mount, where you had a transfiguration. So, with that in mind, let us go to, I want to say, Mark the 9th chapter, verses 1 through 8 or something. Uh, there it is. Uh, Mark the 9th chapter, verses 1 through 8. And just read and make a couple of points here and there. Uh, about the account before the Mount of Transfiguration and then the, the account of on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he said, remember now that Jesus had uh, uh, promised the disciples that some of them were not going to die till they had seen the glory of the Lord, the coming of the kingdom. Yes, remember that? Well, it's right here in the scriptures. Uh And he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, that there are some standing here, right here in our midst, he says, who will not taste death till they see the coming, the kingdom of God present with power. And, okay, so now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before him. There was something that changed with his appearance. have been so glorious. To have seen Jesus in the flesh is one thing. To have seen him in glory. Right there. And this is not in heaven. you here on the mount. With two other human beings. And he appears with two others in glory. And you get to see him. Now, we know that Jesus is the Shekinah glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Shekinah glory is usually a bright light. That glory was veiled by his flesh. Yes? You're familiar with that? Okay. Was veiled by his flesh. He didn't lose his glory. It was just veiled by the flesh. And so, now then, on the mount... uh, Hermon, Hermon is the, is the name, H-E-R-M-O-N. Hermon, the, 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 the mount, probably the highest point in Israel, is where they found themselves. And the glory of God shone through uh, his flesh and became visible. Let's, let's see. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white, like snow, Such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. (laughs) They were so white, nobody can make them as white as that. Uh, And then he says, and Elijah appeared to them with Moses. And they were talking with Jesus. What they were talking about? It doesn't say it here in the book of Mark, but I believe it's in the book of Luke. It reveals that they were talking about his dying and going away. That's what they were talking about. What was going to happen When that took place. Uh, Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles: one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He says, Let us, it is good to be here. Yes, it is. It is to me a little bit like you know, have you ever been to a conference, Bible conference, or women's conference, or men's conference? And you're having a grand time. You are taking in the messages. You are taking in the spiritual food. You are enjoying the fellowship with other like-minded people. You're making some promises while you're there. I would say that is sort of like that being on the mountain. Not exactly, but sort of like that. You have an exceptional experience. You, You love the time there. You love the fellowship. You even love the food. You know, sometimes here, sometimes there, whatever. And you are making some promises. And you're thinking, here's where it's at. One friend told me one time, hey, if you've been with God, who wants to be with people? The truth of the matter is that when you have been with God, it is because he wants you to be with people. That's why he shows up. It's not for you to stay on the mount. It's not for you to stay on the conference. Now I have to go home. No, no, no. He met you at the conference, so when you go home, you can minister to people. Because the ministry is not on the mountaintop, the ministry is in the valley. But I got good news for you. There are also mountaintops in the valley. Because ministry, though sometimes inconvenient, though sometimes tiring, it brings great joy to see the Lord having victory in other people's lives. So uh, and then verse six says, "Because He did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. Verse seven. And a cloud and a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, "This is my beloved son. Hear him." According to Peter, there was no doubt that that was God's voice. I tell you, my dear brothers and sisters, that when you hear God's voice, there is no doubt it is God's voice. Nobody can talk like him. Nobody sounds like him. When it is his voice, it will be completely different. The voice of God. Does he speak to other people? Yes, but not with his voice. He speaks through Jay with Jay's voice. He can have a message through through, through Jay to speak to me. But when you hear his voice in particular, then suddenly when they had looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with themselves. So this is the eyewitness experience that Peter, James, and John had there on the mountaintop that refers to we... When we told you about his power and his kingdom, it's not because of fables that we heard or myths or stories that we now regurgitate to you, that we now be spinning out to you, that we're telling you about the stories that we heard. We call them stories. Nothing wrong with telling stories, but they're just stories. We're telling you about an eyewitness account when we're speaking to you about the power and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. We go back to 2 Peter. Verse. So, so when he's speaking that of the coming of our Lord, the word parousia is usually, word for the, usually used for the second coming. Here it has to do with the coming on the mount. And he showed the glory uh, of the Lord. And he says... We were eyewitness of His majesty. You saw in in the account that in in, uh, Mark about His majesty. Verse 17. For He received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to Him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son, Son in whom I am well pleased. Verse 18. And we heard His voice which came from heaven when we were with Him on the holy mountain. We heard his voice. So he gives testimony and he gives witness and he gives um, the account of, and he wants to give you a, a, a surety that what he is telling you is true on the basis of one, he has seen the glory of the Lord. The eyewitness account, the eyewitness account, consists of that he has seen the glory of the Lord and that secondly, he's heard the voice of God. Okay? Is that pretty good for you? Well, 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 you know, when somebody tells you that, and it is true uh, because you have the witness, the testimony of three people, then, wow, hey, that's pretty good. Especially three people with apostolic authority. So, That is one one way of testifying there. He says, my testimony is this. We have seen the glory of the Lord. We are eyewitnesses. We've seen it. We've heard the voice of God, the Father. We are eyewitnesses. This is what we've seen. This is what we've heard. Then he goes to verse 18 and he says, verse 19, I'm sorry. And he says, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to take heed or to heed. As, and the, my King James says, to take heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed. Actually, it is, does somebody have the King James Version? The, 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 not the new King James, but the King James Version. Would you read that? 19. Verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Okay, that, that's good. I'll, I'll, I'll take it from. Me. Say it one more time nice and loud. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Okay, so he's speaking there of a more sure word of prophecy. A more sure word of prophecy. Now, that can, in the original language, it leaves room for two kinds of interpretations. And you can decide which one works for you. They both work for me, although one is stronger than the other. The, the, the one, uh, a more sure word of prophecy could mean, and it's open It's open to this, could mean that the word of prophecy that we know has been made more sure because of the eyewitness account that we have experienced. Yes? So, we have a word of prophecy, and it's been made more sure, more credible, if you will, because of what we have seen. Yes? Another translation, another interpretation might be that we have an eyewitness account, but we have something that is even more sure than an eyewitness account. That is the word of God. The word of prophecy. Obviously, when he speaks about the word of prophecy, he's referring to the Old Testament. Yes? Because they didn't have the New Testament at that time yet. Yes? Correct? Okay. So, he is speaking then about the prophetic utterances, the prophetic writings in the Old Testament that are more sure than even an experience that Peter had on the mount. So I think it's both because certainly, and we'll talk a little bit about this, but certainly when you have the prophetic word of God or the word of God, certainly it comes to life when you have legitimate experiences of God. Yes? 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 you you, 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 you talking about God's faithfulness, God's faithfulness. I have experienced God's faithfulness. But whether I have experienced or not, God is faithful. Amen. So, hence the idea that a more sure word is the word of God. It is eternal. It never changes. It is as an anchor. It is for sure. Your experience is not for sure, necessarily. Someone says, if you have experience, then nobody can take it away from you. No, they can't. But is your experience legitimate? Is your experience what you experienced it to be? Or was your experience uh, tainted with emotion? You were an emotional high or an emotionally low? Was it tainted with, the, with the, the environment? How many times have I heard people say, when we're going to a retreat by the river, or by the mountains, that God is really here. Yes, He's there, but He's also at home. (laughs) Excuse me. See, so then you get to think a little bit. Their experience is a little bit tainted by their perception that here is really where God is. So the emotion goes up a little bit. Their perception goes a little bit. So your experience might not be as precise as the word of God. Yes? So, that is how I see when he says in verse 19 that we have a more sure word, the word of prophecy, the word of God. It is not that anybody is questioning the experience of Peter, but I think that Peter wants us to know that even an experience of Peter, the word of God is more sure. And it is. The word of God is more sure. Let me just check in here what what else I have for you. Yes. Yes. Um, Let me just park here just a little bit more to let you know that it is difficult for me to express to you how important it is that you know the word of God is sure, that you can take it to the bank, you can build your life on it, you can share it with other people and build their lives on it. The word of God is sure. Um, And because it is sure, it is important that you know it, so that you can know what to stand on. Yes? Or you can know when somebody else is not sharing the word of God, they are sharing uh, an experience that sounds good, but you knowing the word of God says, no, you said this was an experience from God. It is not an experience from God. It is an experience that is made up in your mind. It is an experience that is influenced by other other, other things that were around that, the circumstances, the environment, other people that were there, other people that have talked to you, and so on and so forth. So the word of God, my dear brothers and sisters, this is what you need to build your life on. All right. Then he says, and you do good, because there is a more sure uh, word, you do, do good to take heed. It says, here, take heed. Did I miss it a minute ago? Take heed. Oh, you went back there. King James, okay. All right. Uh, it is important that you pay attention to the Word of God because that Word of God is eternal. It is sure. It is for, forever. And that is the Word that is going to guide you where you should be going. Nothing else. It doesn't matter who is. The one claiming that they know something that is contrary to the word of God. If it is contrary to the word of God, I don't care about their education. I don't care about their wealth. I don't care about their socioeconomic status. I don't care about their heritage. I don't care about anything. The only thing that matters is do they speak the word of God? Amen. Okay. Take it. As unto a light that shineth In a dark place. And we know all too well that out there, this world, is a dark place. And he says, take heed of the word of God, because that is going to be that light that shines in this dark place. That is the thing that is going to, that is that light that is going to overcome the darkness. Because, he says, not too long, hence, until the day dawn, till Jesus comes, it's going to last, and the day star will arise in your hearts. That the full enlightenment of the day star, which is Jesus Christ, the morning star, the day star, uh, these are some of the names, he, he will ar- that will arise in your heart and you will see him more clearly than you've ever seen him before. So here he does talk about the parousia as the, the second coming. At that time, when the day dawns. Verse 20. And this is an important uh, verse here. They're all important verses. But this is something that, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. Now, that is something that is often misinterpreted, what this means. So, let's, let's walk a few steps through prophecy. Not the second coming up. When it concerns the prophecy, what parties are involved in prophecy? Do you have any ideas? Holy Spirit? Thank you. The person, the prophet, the person who is imparted with what the Holy Spirit is sharing with him, The prophet himself, and you have any more people that are involved? And the hearers, us, the readers, the hearers. So there are three parties involved. Let us start backwards. Us, the hearers, or the readers, and the people that Peter was writing to, which is us and the the Jews at that time. The prophet himself, who is the the writer or the speaker, yes? Yes? And then, the source, my dear brothers and sisters. Now, let me ask you this. Of these three, which is the most important? The source. The source. source. Because he doesn't need me or you. He can talk through donkeys if he wants to. Right? And he did. did. (laughs) Thank you. So, but... It is important that when there is a prophecy, something that is called prophecy, that the source is the Holy Spirit. That the source is not me. Or that the source is not you. So of these three, the most important element is the Holy Spirit. And Peter says the very same thing in verse 21. And we'll come back to to over here. 21 says this. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. Man had nothing to do with it. Except God used him as an instrument to write it down or to speak it. For somebody else to write it down or whatever. Holy man of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So then the private interpretation is that uh, let's look at all the three parties. It is about the Holy Spirit. That's what Peter says right over there. That there were holy men that spoke because they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And that is what, what it means that there's no private interpretation. There's no person that can come up with a prophecy unless his source is the Holy Spirit. Unless that was given to him by the Holy Spirit. Yes? So there's no private way of me coming up with a prophecy. And there is no private way for me to interpret a prophecy. God said what he said, and that's what it says. You cannot say, well, it means this and this to me. No, it doesn't doesn't matter what it means to you. It it matters what it means to God. Your opinion of what it means is neither here nor there. You have to get the right opinion. You have to figure out what God is saying with it. And so... Therefore, part of the idea of interpreting prophecy is that it agrees or corresponds and certainly not disagrees with the rest of the scripture. Yes? So that is all tied up the way I see it in that private interpretation thing. First, it is of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, you cannot just do your own thing. As a, you're called a prophet and you do your own thing. And then thirdly, you cannot just interpret any way you want to. And would you say that if somebody is a prophet, he is a pretty special guy, or somebody a prophetess, that she is a pretty special lady? People, no, there's only one person thinking so. People looking at apostles and prophets as whoa, they're up here. I'm sort of down here, and they're up there. So. What happens is, for people to draw a following, or to sell books, or to look spiritual, or whatever, they sometimes call themselves a prophet. Now, are there prophets today? I believe definitely so. God still speaks to the people by the Holy Spirit. But I want you to know this. That not everybody who has on their stationary prophet, and or an envelopes prophet, and on their name tags prophet, not everybody like that is a prophet. Matter, no, I'm not going there. I was going to say, matter of fact, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. So my dear brothers and sisters, what Peter is sharing over here is, is so crucially important to me. You still cold? I actually secretly bumped that thing up a little bit. That the temperature? I bumped it up a little bit. But you, you are still some of you are still cold. Okay. Sorry, I, I, I did it secretly. No. Okay. 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 <laughs> yes. Well, he's never going to brag if he's, if he's a holy man of God. He's not going to brag, but but he might make known that he is a prophet and but he'll be known to be a prophet pretty quickly, pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. This is what Peter is warning against because they, they, they don't necessarily know. If you know the word of God, yes, you might discern it in a hurry. But otherwise, there's many people that are being deceived. That is what he's talking about in the first chapter over here. And in the second and the third chapter, he's going to talk about those people that are trying to deceive us. False teachers. So this is what he is saying over here. Know the word of God. Brother John, remember you thought. Know the word of God. Go with the word of God. It is more sure. It is more sure than experiences. Do it. Know it. Be reminded of the things that make the difference. Yes, Brother John. Yes. 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 Uh, I. I'm not sure exactly how that relates to the New Testament. Uh, In the Old Testament, if he claimed to be a prophet and his prophecy didn't come through, he'd be stoned to death. Uh, Here, when a prophet says something, somebody who claims to be a prophet says something, and and the the opposite actually was proven, then uh, he just just gets a pass. We're not stoning him to death. Uh, That might be a good thing. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Totally. Totally, thank God, so there is a type of that. yes, 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 hopefully his ministry will die, yes, um, unless he changes, yes, there is a type of that you can interpret it that way, so uh, so brothers and sisters, get what Peter is saying that he hasn't followed fables, he has followed an eyewitness account, not only him but Peter and uh, uh, James and John. On top of that, there's three of them is what he's speaking on behalf of. And we were on this mount, and we saw with our own eyes Jesus and heard with our own voice the voice of the Father. We saw it right here on the mount. It was a fabulous experience. Then he says, but the word of God is even more sure than that even. He he doesn't say it explicitly or as emphatically as I'm saying it, But uh, so you can also interpret it as in that the experience that we had on the mountain that made the word of God even come alive more to us than before. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, And he says, that word of God, my dear brothers and sisters, he's saying, is the light that shines in a dark place.